Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Support for this podcast comes from Healthnetics. Do you have nagging aches and pains from your younger, more athletic days? Healthnetics CBD is a premium brand CBD that may help take care of aches and pains, as well as relieve anxiety and sleeplessness. Healthnetics products are all natural, THC-free, made in the USA, and undergo third-party lab testing to ensure quality and purity. All CBD is not the same. Order today with a money-back guarantee at healthnetics.com and use promo code SPORTS for 20% off. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. Jose Young here, MAFighting.com, here with another episode of the A-Side Live Chat. Sitting opposite me is, of course, the man, the myth, the legend, Pizzi Carroll. Pizzi, what's up? How you been? We didn't have you on last week because we were on scene in Las Vegas, so... Uh, Karamek, Stormer, Casey Lydon filled in for you. I don't know if you watched it, but how do you think he did? It's just hard for me to watch it with other guys, to be honest. I'm not ready for that yet. Yeah, yeah, it feels weird not having you opposite of me. I'm not gonna lie, but uh, and then K- I don't have a mustache. I don't have a mustache. I mean, you're not wearing a punk like- rock. Sh- you're not wearing a. I think he was wearing a black flag shirt, so he just had the total package. And I know it's hard. And I tried to, I tried to soak up his hardcore knowledge when I'm around him. You can actually ask him this. Like I'll be like, "What type of music? What? What happened there?" And, like I know these. Like I know like the first sentence of every story about music. So I'm like, "What happened there?" And he's like, "Jesus, just leave me alone, Peter." <laughs> We had I watched a- one documentary. I watched one documentary and I kept on just going, and what was that song? And what was that song? And he's like, Jesus Christ, just watch the documentary again. <laughs> Jesus, Pizzi. Well, I had a great time with Esther, Casey, and Steven. You can watch all of our content over on our YouTube channel. Uh, Casey and I introduced Steven to Death Grips, uh, the bands that I'm a big fan of, that uh, I don't know if Steven I, I enjoyed them was, or not, but I did. Like, it sounds like sexual apparatus to me. Death Grips? Yeah. Uh, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. But anyway, Pizzi, I have a little surprise for you. What is it? Guess what came in the mail? What did? Our good oh, longtime oh, listener and good friend Jessica <laughs> mailed me yes, some crystals. Wow. And what do you got? she gave me some she gave it to me in this little package that says JY. Wow. She also gave me some sage if I want to do a seance. And oh, yes. and and a better a better surprise is in January, you will have your own bag of crystals. Legend. You legend, Jess. That is amazing. Pizza. Can we smoke that sage? <laughs> I think you might get a little sick, but you can try it, my man. <laughs> well, she, gave us, she gave us each four crystals uh, in a personalized bag. She sent a note yeah. saying she's a big fan of the A-side, and she sent, a, sent us a, a note of what each crystal does. She sent us citrine, quartz, tiger's eye, and... You guessed it, pyrite. Yes. Oh, yes. Pyrite's been a favorite of ours. Did you read them again? There was another one there that perked it, that was in from... Um, citrine, quartz, tiger's eye, and pyrite. Tiger's eye. I remember that one um, from the, the weekly feature that she's been doing yeah. for the crystals on, on the A-side. Yeah. And she I'm said, very interested. She sent us a complete breakdown of what each one does for us. <laughs> Says hope. Wow. Hope these help you and make you smile. And then she says, "My IG is open my eyes to blue." So give her. I'll give her a shout yeah. out. 
Jessica at IG at Open My Eyes to Blue. Thank you so much for the crystals. And she's got a beautiful dog too. I she just does. think we should point out. I think his name is Bean. I can't remember. But <laughs> I, I was showing my girlfriend the other day, and I was like, "This is a beautiful dog." And we were like, "We were in agreement. What a fabulous dog, Jessica! You're a legend. Crystal Crew, Crystal Crew, be nothing without you, Jess. You're keeping us going here. Yeah. You're the you're the engine of the Crystal Crew. Hopefully, Jerry Cannonier gets on the. We can cover a show together with Jerry Cannonier. I can bring him. My four crystals, specifically my pyrite, because I know he'll appreciate that. So before we get into the questions, I have to give a shout out. I just want to say, I think the only way to test Jared Cannonier's uh, crystal awareness is to do a a double blind test where he's completely blindfolded. And we just put a crystal beside him and ask him what aura of what crystal is he feeling at the time. (laughs) Oh my good God. Crystal talk with Jared Cannonier, Jose Youngs, and Pizza Carroll. The double blind test with Tiger's Eye. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we got into the questions, I had to get that out of the way because uh, we have some phenomenal fans. We have some phenomenal listeners. I, I tweeted that I was feeling sick. I don't know if people can hear. I'm a little under the weather after UFC Fight Week. For whatever reason, the media day is outside in a tent. And in Las Vegas, it's like 50-something. And I am just I was cold and I got sick. And I tweeted that. And people were sending me uh, which crystals to use. Uh, to oh, nice. <laughs> So we got we have we have our fans looking out for us, but enough crystal talk. I'm surprised I even said that. We're gonna have to get into the questions before people come after us, especially people on the site. Sorry, Brian. Uh, but Love as you, always, <laughs> this this is not our podcast. This is your podcast. You can leave your questions on the site mmafighting.com. Find the post that says the A side live now. You can leave your questions in the comment section, or you can use hashtag the A side on Twitter, uh, and we'll get to them. Now, Pizza, I looked at our questions a little bit before we got on. There are a lot. You know I don't like. You know I don't like to look at them. I like to go in bareback. I, <laughs> I don't look at them. What the content is? I just look at the number of questions. This might be a rec- right. this might be a record for us. All right. So okay. this is it was- question from a new commenter that I've never heard. This is a and I'm reading. It's all one word. Yes. Australian light horse, 1917 beer sheba baby. Is that a question or is that the username? That is the username. Here's the question. Oh, thank God for that. Thank God for that. I was like, what the fuck just happened there? Does anyone think Max should take a year off of fighting and devote himself to professionally and properly building up strength and power to go and battle the lightweights instead of hanging around the graveyard that is featherweight for him? He either beat them already or with Alex lost title too. A good solid 12-month or so plan should help him adjust correctly to layweight and be able to compete competitively competitively with them if he doesn't does his legacy start down start to downturn and he starts to accumulate losses and beatings being so skinny only worked when he was the tallest and longest and fittest that won't help him if he's moving his if he's moving up as is max is max has been a great part of the game for for many of us and i'd hate to see him beat up hurting hurting his so far awesome record so yes Excellent way to start off this 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 episode of the A Side Live Chat, Pizza Carol. I'm sure you watched, but Alexander Volkanovsky dethroned who Joe Rogan calls the consensus greatest featherweight of all time. I don't know if you heard that in the post fight interview. Uh, we have a new featherweight champion for the long for the first time in a long time. There's no interim attached to his name. He is the reigning undisputed featherweight champion, Alexander Volkanovsky. Another champion for City Dog, by the way. But as I'm not even going to try and pronounce this person's username again. But as this person asks us, should Max take some time off? bulk up and get ready for lightweight or should he get right back into it and rematch Volkanovski right away I, I'm really interested in the rematch and um, you know I understand that Holloway has had um, you know trouble making 145 I guess that's that's been a thing that's constantly been talked about before all of his fights but I think it's 
I think it's unfair to basically say that the only reason why he was so dominant for that long is because of physical attributes. You know, a lot of people, he is very tall, but he's not that long. His arms aren't actually that long. Like, remember when McGregor fought him, McGregor was shorter, but he had a longer reach. Um, but I, I feel as though you're right in the sense that if he is going to go to 55, I think the Poirier fight showed us that there is a bit of a physical gulf that he needs to make up, like in terms of power and size and stuff like that. But um, I certainly wouldn't say the only reason why he was successful at featherweight because of physical attributes. He's a fantastic fighter, fantastically technical. Um, and I think the the big key to victory, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not uh, breaking any news here to, for Volkanovski, was taking away his ability to switch stances with those le- uh, leg kicks mm-hmm. really early on. And I think if he had been able to switch stances, it would have been a lot more... Uh, competitive fight, even though it was incredibly competitive, I do feel as though Volkanovski was really nicking the rounds at the last, you know, with, with the with his um, work in the exchanges. But I still feel as though it was a close fight. It, like you know, a, a, a fight can be like 50-45 and still be a close fight. 100%. A lot of people don't realize that in MMA, you know. A hundred percent. And actually, Casey Lydon and I had that conversation where it was 50-45, but that is is the true sense of th- those five rounds were the true sense of ten nine. Like it was very close. One, I think Alexander Volkanovsky was just one step ahead of Max the whole fight. Yeah. I don't have a problem with forty nine forty six, but I because that's how I scored it. I thought it was four to one, but I don't have a problem with five zero. And close fights aren't always robberies, as our own Alex Kaylee always says. Uh, well, I'm yeah. sure we'll talk about that with Jose and Marlon Morris. Uh, but he for, was robbed. I'm sorry. Wow, wow. <laughs> I'm sure we'll get there. You need to <laughs> calm down, Pizzi. The crystals will get to you soon enough. <laughs> but. For me, if I if if you're asking me what I would like Max to do, and I said this on Coffee Talk uh, after UFC 245, I wouldn't hate to see him kind of do the Ronda Rousey approach, not in the sense of him just disappearing, but take 12 months off and then fight whoever is the champion when he returns. If it's Alexander Volkanovsky, so be it. If Alexander Volkanovsky somehow, say, loses to Zabit or Yair, Korean Zombie, then Max Holloway gets the first shot at the title when he returns um, simply because, like, he fought, he's fought in a lot lately. Dating back to December 20, 2018, he did the four rounds uh, against Brian Ortega. He did the five rounds against Dustin Poirier. He did the five rounds against Frankie Edgar. And he did the five rounds of Alexander Volkanovsky. And even before he fought Brian Ortega, he was supposed to fight at UFC 226, and he fell out with those concussion-like symptoms, and he wasn't feeling 100%. So that's a lot of rounds inside the octagon and a lot of elite-level talent. Take some time off, and then whoever has the championship belt, fight them next. If you win, then you can rematch Volkanovski. Uh, but I would like I would like to see Max take some time off, and if Volkanovski is ready to go, maybe he fights the winner. Maybe if Korean Zombie wins, he can fight Korean Zombie. I know if Zabit's out there, he wants to fight. I like maybe to see Zabit fight Yair because they've been uh, circling each other for a long time. Long story short, there's no shortage of fights at featherweight and Alexander Volkanovski who. Uh, big time Game of Thrones fan, by the way, is your new UFC featherweight champion. And from what I hear, he's a big Harry Potter fan. Love Harry Potter. Is that right? Yeah, a little bit. I- I've never seen the films, but I read all the books. That is the correct answer. But we're going to. This question actually goes per- a perfect segue into longtime commenter Trumbo's question. Woo! Can we stop this debate now about the consensus gr- greatest featherweight of all time? Max beat Aldo twice, but lost the belt after three defenses. He had a 13 fight win streak. Hugely impressive. 
Aldo had an 18 fight win streak, 10 of which were title fights, 9 of which were 5 round title defenses against number 1 contenders. Max is a great fighter, but for fe the featherweight go, it's not even close to the moment. Rogan needs to stop. On the same topic, since Alex beat Alex Volkanovski beats Chad Mendes, Jose Aldo, and Max Holloway all consecutively, does he now pass Conor McGregor on the list of greatest featherweights? Surely if he defends the belt, he would. So yes, we talked about it very, very briefly. What are your thoughts on this consensus greatest featherweight conversation of all time that Joe Rogan keeps bringing up? Yeah, I get it. Look, I mean, it's it's annoying. But, I mean, people calling for Joe Rogan's head over this, like, calm the fuck. Every time I come onto Twitter on, on a Sunday morning after a UFC event, I feel like people are so outraged. They don't even care that they've watched some good fights. Like, no one's even like, well, what, what, there were some brilliant fights last night. Like, Joe Rogan is so wrong about this. And you're like, yeah, I know. He, yeah, he was probably wrong there. And, you know, he has to think in the moment. He's doing his thing on the microphone. Just calm the fuck down. He's done an awful lot for the sport as well. You know, I feel like we have to, we're calling for people's jobs all the time. I just don't like that shit. But, um, sorry, what were we talking about? The consensus greatest featherweight? Um, yeah. yeah, I feel like I, I, I always thought it was Aldo. Same. I always thought it was Aldo. So, I mean, um, I think with McGregor, the thing that McGregor did that nobody else could do, like, yes, all of these guys are fantastic for it. The thing that he did was shine a spotlight on the division. I think that's what he did better than anyone else. He made these guys really relevant uh, in terms of the international sport. He made it one of the most relevant divisions in the whole sport uh, during his time there. So I think that's that's something that he brings to the table that none of the other ones do. But I think if you're just looking at it in terms of uh, fighting, Aldo, by a long shot, is out there on his own. I agree. Jose Aldo sits there uh, on, a, on an island by himself. I put Max uh, right there at number two. Uh, three, I have Connor simply because he knocked out Jose Aldo and he did go on that tear. But Volkanovski could be right there at four. I mean, Chad Mendes, let's not forget what Chad Mendes did inside the octagon. He had that epic fight against Jose Aldo. I think you got to slot him somewhere in the top five as well. And if we're just Once looking. Once comes into it, though. Yeah. But if, even if you're talking about just greatest featherweights, like UFC, w, like Uriah Faber was a longtime featherweight champion in the WEC before he dropped back down to bantamweight. So let's not count. Let's not forget his accolades at 145 pounds just because he's not in that division uh, anymore. And Frankie Edgar's been doing great things at featherweight. But that those two guys being on Aldo's record makes yeah. him so good. Like, you know, it makes it so so good. So it's like, yeah, it, it is so why I agree I, it is why I still consider Anderson Silva to be the greatest middleweight of all time. Mostly because we also haven't had a lot of uh, defenses as of the middleweight uh, belt since. I think Izzy could very well surpass him. Uh, I think Robert Whitaker is some up there, Rockhold, Weidman, but these guys didn't have those long reigns like John Else. They don't have what's up bonds from Usada. That's true. You do have to take that into you do have to take that into consideration, uh, but we're going to move right along to another weight class. What's next for Kamaru and Colby from Greb seventy seven? Great fight, but what's next for the champ? He's already beaten four of the top five. So does he fight Masvidal, rematch Leon Edwards, or GSP? And Colby, with this with his stick, will his stick change now that he has been humbled, or does he just continue? Who does he fight next? Steve Woodley. Now, before you answer your question. Uh, I do want to, someone on Twitter, Brian Shea, who's uh, a longtime listener, he's the digital editor of the Game Informer magazine, uh, go give him a find on Twitter. He actually sent us, he tweeted us a, a list of fights that he would like to see, uh, which is very, I think, so I'm going to put this into one question. He goes, I don't have a question with so much debate about 170 after Saturday. Here's how I'm matching the top guys. Usman versus Edwards, Colby versus Woodley. Masvidal versus Connor. I'm assuming if Connor wins, the pieces just fall into place perfectly. If Ka if Connor gets through Ka Cowboy, the only problem could be Colby's recovery time. So I don't. I agree with those three fights completely. If Connor beats Cowboy, 
He's go he will 100% fight Masvidal, I believe. That's mm -hmm. why the fight is at 170. Usman, outside of you, did of the last few uh, episodes of the A-side we've done together, Usman talked more about Leon Edwards than anyone has in the last 12 months this past week. <laughs> <laughs> outside of Pete C. Carroll. Uh, at the fighter panel uh, at, on Wednesday, as my voice cracks because I'm sick, at the UFC 245 fighter panel, someone asked all the fighters, who's the hardest opponent you ever had? And Kamar Usman was like, Leon Edwards was the hardest opponent. He was so hard to break. Like, he likes to mentally and physically break his opponents. And he said he could not break Leon Edwards. And then after the post, after his fight at the post-fight press conference, someone was asking him what's next. He goes, I don't know. Leon Edwards is pretty deserving. He hasn't lost since he fought me. And he said something interesting that I was thinking, too. Leon Edwards' position now is where Usman was 12 months ago. He's a guy that's on a long win streak. He's not tearing through guys. He's not this massive pay-per-view draw, but he's winning, so no one wants to fight him because the benefit, the risk completely outwe outweighs the, the reward. So he brought up Leon Edwards again in the post-fight process conference. So, Pete Carroll, if you're the UFC matchmakers, I know you're a Bellator matchmaker, and you do a great job of booking those fights. If Still you're, not paid. <laughs> if you're booking the UFC welterweight division for the next few months, what are you looking to see? I agree with this guy, um, and I'll tell you why. I think the reason why Usman is mentioning Masvidal in the in the post-fight press conferences, albeit after he says that Edwards is de deserving, is because he knows that the UFC see Masvidal and they see dollar signs, and the, and like if they can put him in a fight with Usman, it's going to make the most amount of money. It's going to make more money than the Leon Edwards fight, obviously. However, Conor McGregor v Masvidal makes more money than that again than Usman. So. The only problem is, can you wait till January 18th to book Leon Edwards on that London card for March 21st? You know, like it feels, if, if you're, I, I mean, I guess I guess it doesn't need to be March 21st if Usman, if he's going to fight Usman for the title, I guess. But I, I do feel as though there's a lot of things um, hinging on this fight between Cerrone and McGregor. Um, you know, also, I feel as though with Jorge kind of coming in, taking on Till, taking on Askren, and taking on Nate Diaz, you know, he has been taking on the guys with the most amount of heat. It's always been like a guy that has a good amount of buzz, and he goes in and knocks them out. So the narrative for McGregor kind of, it kind of is upheld with the bad motherfucker narrative if he fights uh, McGregor. But does McGregor beat Cerrone? That's a whole lot of shit to, to, to kind of, bank on you know what i mean i think i think the fact that we haven't seen mcgregor in such a long time uh he didn't look great the last time we saw him you know can we bank on on mcgregor beating cerrone and getting that masvidal fight because what if he doesn't win and then you have masvidal just there by himself do you book usman then and leave leon edwards as the odd man out with nobody to fight because it, it's hard I, I think it's it's very it wouldn't be recommended to to wait until wait to see what happens with McGregor before you book these guys, you know what I mean? Yeah, I agree, and I think you had a pretty uh, an excellent interview with Jack Hermanson uh, on Eurobash, and he was teasing that the UFC made in, what quote unquote indications that they wanted yeah. that till fight, so maybe they're booking that as the main event just in case. Uh, and Usman will get Edwards, and regardless, like but I think, who, whoever. I think Cannonier. I think the Crystal King Cannonier. Needs to be booked against Whittaker for the Till Hermanson fight to happen. Otherwise, yeah. why won't they just do Till and Whittaker? Yeah, because Whittaker is the natural guy, the only natural guy without fighting the champion that Till can take a step up from Gaslam against. I think. I agree, and, and for a guy like I don't know if you watched the 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 his little 
media appearance before the UFC 244 uh, ceremonial weigh-ins, or after, when because Dar- Darren Till was late, so he did a Q&A with the media after the weigh-ins. He said middleweight is interesting to him because it's filled with more strikers as yeah, there's course, a lot of yeah. welterweights with wrestlers. So why would you give him Jack Hermanson whose bread and butter is taking you down and ground and pounding you? So it's just, it's, I agree. I, I like the, the Till Whitaker fight way more, but it's, there has to, what Conor McGregor's fight is going to, is going to be a, the linchpin of a lot of bookings the next few months, even for fights outside of his weight class. It's very, it's very fascinating to watch. Yeah, absolutely. I saw Darren at um, at Bellator London. What what date was that? That was late November, I think. And he was he was all about the Whitaker fight yeah. that night. You know, he was just kind of saying, "I think it's going to happen. I think it's going to happen." He wouldn't commit anything to the record, but he was just like, "You know, I have a feeling it's going to happen." He was in great spirits, though. I mean, his team looked absolutely. You know, they were all in awe of that performance against Gaslam. I've never seen them all so collectively happy in my life, to be honest. <laughs> it was masterful, though. Yeah, and that was a beautiful performance. Well, I won't say beautiful. It was a... Masterful. It was a ma- it was it was a great performance, uh, winning a number one, a supposedly a number one contender fight, and a fight I picked him against. But we're going to move right along to a topic I know you want to talk about, specifically, from our longtime commenter, even dating, going back to the, the Sean Alshadi Mark and Monday days, Lodovic. Henry Cejudo's, oh, thank you. Henry Cejudo's belts. So, Peter Yan annihilates Uriah Faber, whom Cejudo has been calling out, and Henry reacts with calling out Jose Aldo, who just lost a controversial decision. For those of you not watching right now, Pizza Carroll's hands are literally up in the air right now. Just I'm not living. very happy about this. I am not very fucking happy about this. Right, so. I get he wants to fight a big name, but is that the right move right now? I personally feel this kills the sport when a fighter who goes in there and wins in impressive fashion and told it didn't matter. What's your opinion? Who's next? Who's the next challenger for that 135-pound title? And what's next for the mentioned fighters? Also, what about flyweight? Is that still a thing in the UFC? Should Henry be stripped of the belt if that if if he doesn't commit to a defense soon? So yes, PC Carroll, you are on record. The last time you were on this channel, we talked about Peter Yan, and I said if Uriah Faber wins, he's, he could fight Henry Cejudo. You cut me off and said he's not only not winning, he's going to retire <laughs> after he fights Peter Yan. You said that not only is John going to decimate Uriah Faber, Uriah Faber's never going to fight again. I'm sure that fight went exactly as you expected. Yes. Peter Yan puts on the performance of a lifetime, head kicks Uriah Faber into oblivion in front of his wife and child, or I don't know if they're married, but in front Jesus of his child. Christ. <laughs> Was that necessary to add that in? Gets, gets in Cody Garbrandt's face backstage, and the whole time I'm thinking, P.C. Carroll must be loving this right now. So what did you make of Peter Yan's performance, and what do you make of Henry calling out Jose Aldo, who's coming off a loss. Look, it, it, it's ridiculous, first of all. Henry Cejudo calling out Aldo. Look, I appreciate that some people thought Aldo won. I even, I think I, I scored it for myself, like, but you, we have to somehow stop just completely throwing the ele- the sport element of this company into the blender every time something happens that doesn't go to the champion's way. This is fucking ridiculous. Like, the guy just lost a fight. He's only had one fight in the division. Why are we giving him a title fight? This is stupid. Oh, here's a guy from Russia. Just because he doesn't speak English, we're not going to give him a fucking fight? Like, he's killing everybody in the division. He's fights in a year or something. What else do you need to do? 
I mean, it's it's absolutely ridiculous. Um, how many more legends need to get head kicked into oblivion before we give this man a title shot? He's, he, I think he's really good outside the octagon as well, and he doesn't get credit for it just because he doesn't have fluent English. That was hilarious with Cody Garbrandt. Like, yeah. both of their energies were just perfect for each other to make that a great moment where he's like, you just do this, you just do you this. You just do blah, 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 blah. That's what he says. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was crying. And Cody, I love that Cody's so emotional because he can't hide how much this is pissing him off that this man in broken English is offending him in front of all these cameras. Um, look, Jan is is box office. He The only loss in his career isn't a real loss. Yeah. Like, he has never been beaten. Um, the guy is incredible. Um, you have to, like, look, if he doesn't want to fight him, that's fine. You know, it's going to happen inevitably and Europe is going to take another title anyway. So, I mean... You're on bot time as it is, Cejudo, as far as I'm concerned. Wow. <laughs> but um, I'm only messing. I'm only messing. But I do feel as though the Aldo fight, you just can't do it. Like I, I think Aldo is brilliant. We're just singing Aldo's praises. But to just throw him in a title fight because you don't agree with the officiator's decision is just ridiculous. I agree. And the fact that Dana White said, I don't hate it. Henry Cejudo's the man right now, so he's calling the shots. I was like, no. Why don't- does he hate Europe? Why does he hate <laughs> Europe? Why is Leon Edwards not getting a title fight? Why is Jan not getting a title fight? It's ridiculous. I'm sick and, of this. And you said it yourself. We were talking before media day, and I I didn't do the interview. Uh, Stephen Morocco did, and he actually he asked him straight up, like, "What do you make of the 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 WADA ban for uh, the, the country of Russia for the Olympics and the World Cup and everything? Like, does this make MMA now a bigger deal? Because as you said, as you know better than me, the Olympics and the World Cup are massive in Russia. Huge. And if they don't have that, who are they going to turn to? The athletes, Habib. Habib. Peter Jan, I know Fedor has a fight coming up. I'm sure that will like that'll be that's obviously going to be a big deal in Russia. Uh, you got uh, Zabit doing his thing. You got Makachev supposedly going to fight Kevin Lee. Like these Russian fighters point, are going to be the big deal now. Yeah, and Askar Askarov at 125 yeah, as well. There, like I mean, Cejudo, you can go back down to 125, but we got another one there as well. So I mean, what are we going to do here? We're going to have to dance eventually. If I'm, if I, I would like to see Henry Cejudo fight. Either go down and fight Joseph Benavides or vacate. I don't really care which one he does. Get at least let let the flyweights go. Yeah. Let yeah. let the flyweights go from this ransom. You could have Figueroa and Benavides fight for the interim title, and then you got Moreno had a phenomenal performance. UFC 245. Kai Carr of France, another New Zealand uh, savage, is just lost. But that Esther Lynn thought that was actually the fight of the night, and I don't disagree. The only problem is it was too early on the card, and it was three rounds, and a title fight in the main event is always going to take precedent in Dana White's eyes. But let the flyweights go. Fight uh, Peter Yan. If you don't want to fight Peter Yan, you want to do this Jose Aldo fight, then Peter Yan can fight, like, I don't know, Dominic Cruz or Al- Aljamain Sterling. Uh, I know him. And C- Cody Garvin says, if I win in Columbus, you're next. That's a little ways away. I don't want Peter Yan to fight to wait that long. I believe that fight is in March. Uh, the Cody Garbrandt, a sunset fight, but Peter Jan should be the top contender at 135 pounds. I don't really think there's a debate at this point. Yeah, the Siberian gangster, man. He, he, you got to love the guy. And I, I feel like he is working on his English as well because is. I've been interviewing him for a long, long time. And even the sentences he was saying to Cody and stuff like that, like that's he's come a long way. And sometimes when I'm on the phone with um, his translator and his manager, Syed, who works with Danny Rube, 
he does like he'll get a few sentences out you know he yeah. will be able to answer some questions in english so i mean i think he's going to be brilliant when he can when he can speak fluent english because whenever he's answering my questions through the translator he's usually in a room full of fighters and everyone's crying like everyone in the room is is pissing yeah. themselves laughing so i think i think he's going to be a, a really great um ambassador for the sport and a big thing in russia when when um you know when he can get pushed into these big spots like we're talking about against Cejudo. i agree it's get it's it drives me nuts that he might he, that he might not get the next shot. But regardless if he gets the next shot or not, he should get a big name. Like if Frank Yeager drops down, if if Frank Yeager gets past the Korean Zombie and then somehow drops down to one thirty five and fights Corey Sanhagen yeah, a month I mean, later, they give him that fight too. All right. Well, look. I mean, if it's not going to be Cejudo, let him and Aldo fight for a number one contender. If, I'd rather see that than let Aldo fight for the title. To be honest, or let you know Jan I mean? fight Marlon Moraes. Marlon Moraes actually yeah, yeah. won. I think Jose well, Aldo should fight Uriah Faber at one thirty five rematch from that's the wc great, days that's a great fight. that should have been the fights should have been aldo faber and Moraes jan <laughs> that should have been the fights at 245 i don't because now then you run into this situation where jose aldo loses to a guy that's not getting a title shot anytime soon and then suhudo calls out aldo anyway it doesn't make sense if 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 jan had beaten marlon Moraes or then right there number one number one spot it just oh it drives me i hate i hate when it's that obvious because we said this the week it was fucking booked do you know what I mean? We were like, this is ridiculous. This is stupid, man. Like, and look, and now we're in a conundrum. Why don't you just listen to us, UFC? Yeah. I mean, we do. PC does great job for Bellator. Let us do. I mean, my CV <laughs> speaks for itself. <laughs> Moving along, because we're going to talk. We could talk about Henry Cejudo forever. From Ted Bear, another longtime commenter dating back from the Al Shadi Ramondi days, maybe even dating back to all the way to the Luke Thomas days. Will Cowboy retire after the Connor fight? He's 55 deep into his MMA career, a family man now, supposedly engaged or married to a future doctor, and about to receive some FU money. Does he retire? No. I don't think Cowboy oh is ever... Is, the only thing that's going to make Cowboy retire is, uh, get. I don't know, death? He'll try, death. To, he'll try death. to fight even if he has his leg cut off. That man is not gonna die in his bed. Put it that way. Nope. And you know what I mean? <laughs> so, so it's gonna it's gonna be like they're gonna have to make they're gonna have to force him to retire inevitably. Like I, I feel like that's gonna happen. Someone's gonna have to, like a lot of every like they're gonna have to basically have an intervention with him to stop fighting. That's what's gonna have to happen there. I agree. Uh, as my as I I I'm, I'm, I'll save it for my promo. But Mike Perry and I had a nice little chat at media day. Oh, <laughs> the friendliness ensues. And he, he he was talking to me about his anxiety before the fight, and he said before every fight, he thinks about like what if this plane crashes? What if this car crashes? What if, will the injury be severe enough to keep me from fighting? And Mike Perry's like, no, no injury will be severe enough to keep me from fighting. And I think that's Cowboy's exact mentality too. <laughs> but we're going to keep going. There's a lot. Jones from Zakuko Kegi, another longtime commenter. Jones move up to heavyweight in 2020. If John Jones does move to heavyweight, does he get an immediate title shot? Regardless of titles, who would you like to see him fight first in the heavyweight division? The answer is yes. If John Jones moves up to heavyweight, not only will he get a title shot right away, he will deserve a title shot right away. I think if a champion... If a reigning champion changes weight classes, they skip the line. That's that, that's just my if if Fair if Jose Aldo was the featherweight champion and decided to drop down at one thirty five at while he was a champion, he should automatically skip the line because he is a champion. If Hen Henry Cejudo did it, uh, Conor McGregor did it. If Ronda had decided to go up to one forty five, if that existed, she would get the number one contender spot. Like it to me, if you are a champion, you change weight classes, you skip the line. I don't know what your what uh, your thoughts on that are. Yeah, no, I think that's fair enough. Um, 
am I most excited to see Jones v Stipe as a matchup? I think that's um, a different question, but I feel like you got to give him the title yeah. shot as soon as he goes up, if that's the question. I, I'd love to see Ngannou v Jones. If yeah. it was any fighter heavyweight, that would be the fight I'd pick. Just the raw power of Ngannou. Um, I, I'd love to see it. And that's that's no knock on Stipe. It's just a style matchup that I'm interested How in. How about this, though? Jones versus Rumble at heavyweight. That'd be fucking crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, be I want that fight. If John Jones doesn't get a shot at the title right away, then Jones v Rumble at heavyweight. Though Rumble did say he'll be, he was at the quintet. I don't know if you watched any of that gra- of the grappling. It was. It, no, I watched the interview you guys did though. It was pretty it, pretty interesting. It was like UFC versus Strike Force versus WC versus Pride Team UFC one. A lot of interesting matchups. Like Sean O'Malley, like they were they were showing the breakdowns and like Sean O'Malley tapped Gomi. And then it had to immediately grapple Hector Lombard, who's looking <laughs> massive right now. Judo black belt as well. And if, but if Gomi had won, he would have to immediately grapple Rumble Johnson. We could have seen Gomi versus Rumble Johnson grappling, and it was it was just a really it was a lot of fun. A lot of uh, I, know, I thoroughly you know, enjoyed it. Do you know it was a good fight for Johnson because he's been out for a while, right? Like I mean, he has been out for a significant amount of time. When was his last fight? Twenty sixteen? No, I think it was twenty seventeen when he fought DC at UFC two ten. Why don't they do fucking like Cyril Gann versus fucking Anthony Johnson for the main event of UFC Paris? Because I hear they're they're trying to do their first event in Paris in November. So like that would be a, a great fight to to be the top of that bill. But you could do Ngannou. Why? Be, yeah. Why uh, wouldn't you put two? Francis Ngannou in that main event? Yeah, it's just like if he if he does somehow get the title before then, I just think it's unlikely they put a title fight on a European card unless they can put it on paper pay per view schedule. Like the only times they've really done it, I know, like recently would be Bisping Henderson. versus uh, Henderson, Henderson yeah. and Manchester. Yeah, uh, I like that fight, but I was I was at the Dominance MMA Media Day and Rumble's basically coming back for big fights. I don't think Cyril Gaines is going to be a big fight for him. I like that fight, but he wants like. The Inganus, the Stipe's, uh, those Wait, this like time, the Overeems. This time next year in November, if France like it, it's it's going crazy in France at the moment. You don't understand. It's like all these fighters are coming out like the woodwork, like they've been around for ages, but they just suddenly all have this massive attention on them. Like Saladin Parnas in uh, KSW, <clears throat> Morgan Charrier. Like I, I can't get over that guy's fan base. He, he apparently is friends with a lot of YouTube sensations um, in France. But he came over to Cage Warriors and knocked out like the former champion Dean Truman, who's a great fighter. He knocked him out, and I mean, all these guys seem to be bubbling right to the surface as UFC looks to be entering uh, the uh, potential market eventually when it does get legal. I, I think French MMA is going to have big, broad ramifications on the international scene. So let's wait to see what happens by the time that fight gets around. I think Cyril Gann is going to be a bigger name in that neck of the woods than Ngannou is purely because he represents France uh, while Ngannou represents Cameroon. You know what I mean? I agree. I don't disagree. And I know you do a great job of selling European fights, but God damn, I am so excited for <laughs> the Paris. I am so excited for the French scene to finally hit the mainstream now, literally just based off of doing the A-side with you. But it's really interesting because it's a big race now for the different promotions to be the first one to put yeah. on an event. Like I'm sure there's going to be regional events and stuff, but to be the first kind of 
international event in Paris. Uh, I know I spoke about it last time. Aries just had their first event at the weekend in Senegal. A fantastic guy called Rug Rug, a Senegalese wrestling champion, absolutely brutal, brutalized uh, Sofian Bokashu. You should check it out. It's on Fight Pass. You need to watch this guy, Rug Rug. O- unbelievable. Like just smashing people on their heads from Camaras and all. And it's his first fight ever. Um, so Aries have a have a huge TV deal. So they have massive financial backing. But they they their main kind of front man is Coach Fernand Lopez, oh, wow. who who, yeah. who manages uh, who manages and coaches uh, Cyril Gann and who coaches who has previously coached Francis Ngannou. So I feel like they're going to be trying to be the first guys to have that event in France. Uh, they have a lot of French talent on the card too, so it makes a lot of sense. I just feel as though UFC will want to be the first ones to do a big event there, but they do have rivals. Uh, trying to do the same thing. Yeah, they don't have what they don't have going for them is UFC 205 when they had the first MSG card. There was obviously everyone wants to be the first ever big card in New York City after the the ban was lifted. What the UFC had going for them was they did more work with the government, like like sending fighters to to like speak it in front of representatives. Like they canvassed the town, they put in the legwork to get it legalized. So. I feel like Madison Square Garden said, like, oh, we kind of owe the UFC because they're really the ones that took the, took the baton and ran with it. They don't really have that in France, do they? Mm. Like, no, no. Yeah. I, it's a massive political issue as well. Like, from what, I, from what I'm hearing, like, and this happens to MMA, as you know, in the inception of MMA in, in the US, it was, uh, I mean, the creation, like, you have all these traditional martial arts kind of trying to push it back. Uh, judo, for instance, is huge in, in, in France, and they're meant to be having... Um, big issues with MMA becoming legal. That's why it has been moved from January to February already. Um, some people are anticipating even more stoppages there. But, uh, you know, to be fair, I feel like the fighters have been the people and, and the likes of Fernand Lopez who have been talking with big publications like Akeep. We've talked about them before on here, a huge uh, French-speaking publication. Those are the guys that's, uh, that are really getting the word out about uh, MMA and, and kind of being the big evangelist for it over there. So maybe, as you're saying, that will put them on, on the first rung of the ladder as opposed to the UFC to put on that first event. Well, I'll I'm, take us into a European uh, European rabbit hole once again there. Sorry well, about that. All I know is if that when that fight card happens, Pizza Carroll should, should freaking be there. <laughs> yeah, I can't speak French, but I mean, I look French. Dude, I'll go. I've always wanted to, <laughs> I've always wanted to go to Belgium. Belgium is not in France. Is it not? Where's Belgium? It's a different fucking Whatever. country. That's what I mean. No, I'm thinking of... No, Brussels is Belgium, right? Where's Brussels? Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. I always want to go to Brussels, which is in Belgium. They speak French. That's what I'm talking That's about. That's true. That is true. That is true. So you know. You that one. You, I know. I know my geography. <laughs> I don't. We're going to hop over to Twitter. All right. Dang. Oh, <laughs> Sean Denny, how far could Aries FC's newest star rug rug throw you? Pizza Carroll. <laughs> Miles, man. He was just right. So Sophie and Bokashu is like like he's he's a well like he's established uh heavyweight. Like he fought Tom Aspinall, who just signed for the UFC from the same gym as Darren Till. Like Rug Rug was just like he was trying to come over <laughs> him and he just smashed him on his head a few times. Like, no, bang, bang, bang. Like it looks like he, like he was <laughs> It looked like Bokashu was getting hit by the Holy Ghost, man. Every time he hit him Jesus. from anywhere, he was like, Jesus Christ. You could just see his face. like, And like I'm talking about just hammer fists and ground and pound. Like it was, he's got to check him out, man. He's unbelievable. So Rug Rug, and who was the one you spoke about last time? KSW? Sal- Saladin Parnas. He is unbelievable. He had a that The fight I told you all to watch, yep. he was absolutely I unbelievable. Actually, I watched it just literally yeah. just based off what you said. So Pizza Carroll should get a little bit of... of 
of that <laughs> grease the palms for that 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 scene over there. Uh, and Morgan Charrier is the other guy in Cage Warriors you need to watch out for. I'd say he'll be fighting for the Cage Warriors title in his next fight probably. So you worth heard, watching him. You so. heard it here, folks. Sticking on Twitter, Valentino. Saifedean Tarhan, I don't know if I pronounced that right, with Carnivore's Cowboy fight in 30 days, isn't it really strange we haven't gotten any press conference or any media for the fight? Is there a reason why? Feels like there's, feel, fells like there's no hype for it. Do you two know of any press conferences or media coming up to the, to, coming up to the fight? So yeah, Pizzi, I was really surprised that uh, there was the UC 247 press conference in Las Vegas with John Jones, uh, Dominic Reyes, uh, Valentina Shishek, and Count Chikagian. And all fans were tweeting at me was, why isn't Connor and Cowboy there? And I said, I maybe Connor can't enter the country. I don't honestly know. Uh, I didn't really look into it. Maybe he doesn't want to do it. Maybe he's pulling the Ronda Rousey approach where he's doing less media. Uh, I know when the fights... I know at UFC 202, I felt the same way uh, before the Nate Diaz fight, landing and touching down in Las Vegas. And I've talked about this on this, this show before. Didn't feel like a big fight week until they start throwing water bottles at each other. So yes, I say to Valentino, Safety, and Tarhan, uh, wait until they're actually in the same room together, and then I, then it'll feel like a big fight week. Yeah, absolutely. Um, obviously, no real clarification on why it didn't happen, but I mean, I think it's it's safe to say that, like, I mean, we have we have our suspicions regarding the the court cases etc if he could come in and out of the country so that might have been a reason um but i think it's full steam ahead uh, for the fight anyway and look um it hasn't like connor stock has took massive knocks since the last time we've seen him in there um but he does have an incredible aura to him you know and he has ever since i've met him when he was like 19 20 when he walks into a room it's like he sucks all the energy onto himself I mean, it's impossible to look really anywhere else once the guy enters a room. And um, I'm sure it's going to be captivating for the right or wrong reasons. And um, yeah, I'm sure we'll be interested as soon as it takes off. And look, me, me and Jose have said that about 202 before. Um, one of the highest gross fight cards ever. And we were outside the place going, Jesus, not a lot of talk about this one. But I can tell you in Ireland, um, you know, it, we're getting into the silly season here. And we're all kind of meeting people for a few Christmas drinks here and there. You wouldn't believe the amount of people that have said to me they don't know they didn't know that Connor was fighting next month. They're like, "What? You Never, yeah? No, I ran into people that like as a, as a casual. I have friends that are casual fans and they would know when Connor was gonna fight. Like, you would be amazed at how many old high school friends that I hadn't talked to in maybe ten years text me asking for betting advice on Habib Connor. And my first response was always, "I'm good. How are you?" Um, but none of that, none of that is happening this time. No one's texting me about it. No one's outside of the normal fans. But it's, I say, wait until they're in the same room again because, as PT said, it felt the same way until water bottles and monster cans start being flung around UFC 202. Uh, oh, you know, it was well at the at the event at the weekend when they played the promo reel for the first time. It didn't get the same. You know, well, you you expect to see, um, when it's a, a Connor promo. I was at the. Was it Gustafsson and Cormier fight that was just before the Mendez-McGregor fight? And I can remember they played the promo for that on the screen. And I fucking thought the, the world was going to end. It was just unbelievable. Was it Anthony Johnson maybe then and, and, and Daniel Cormier, something like that? For, it was meant to be John yeah. Jones and Daniel Cormier. Yeah. And then Jones obviously got no, pulled it was, or it was supposed to. So you're thinking, of UFC one, you're thinking of UFC 187 was supposed to be uh, Rumble and John Jones. And then John Jones yeah. got... John Jones uh, hit that woman, the, D, the, the the hit and run. Yeah, yeah. And then they pulled Jones from it. 
and then D- Cormier was supposed to fight Bader in New Orleans. They pulled DC to fight Rumble a month early, which was at UFC 187, which was also had Weidman Vitor and was also supposed to have Don Cerrone versus a young undefeated Russian named Habib Nurmagomedov. Yes, that one. And they played the fucking promo at that, and I felt like the ground was going to open and swallow me. Like, do you know what I mean? It was like, ah! Like, people going fucking crazy. And then I can remember just watching it, like, on the broadcast and going, like, this doesn't feel big at all. You know? It really doesn't. Well, um, it's also, Con- Connor was still on that unbelievable run. He was fighting the greatest featherweight ever uh, for the title. They were doing all that press. Like, Connor fighting Cowboy at 170 means very little to me in a competitive sense yeah i mean it's i think it's to get him back to competition is is the main thing like i think that's to get the can we get the wheels in motion again basically you know what i mean and poor justin gagey just sitting there waiting for the title shot yeah i mean i think if, if we all could have matched the fight i think gagey would have been top of the list for the mcgregor's comeback fight but i do think Cerrone, like you got to give you got to give um I, like I'm not completely against Cerrone fight. I think it's 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 a winnable fight for McGregor that still um, has the illusion of competition to it. You know, I agree, and he has all the records, so you know the UFC is going to point at all those uh, if he does win. But moving along from Strike MX NYC, Jose, glad to have Pizza Carroll back this week with Yoel. Thank you. Everybody <laughs> say that when you comment when I'm on the show. Everyone make Jose say, "Isn't it great to have Pizza back?" Because it will really annoy him. Mm. I'm just going to I'm just going to hold my pyrite and ward off my negativity. <laughs> anyway, with Yoel and Yoel and possibly Aldo getting title shots off losses and Connor getting a rematch with a win at 1 getting a rematch with Habib with a win at 170, can we all just accept that the UFC is not a, a meritocracy and enjoy having some fun super fights? Hashtag the A side. So, Interesting take. I hadn't really thought about that. I think the- let's book Cejudo and Aldo. Fuck it. You know, like what? what let's just, like I just I don't like that. I'm sorry. I understand. I understand that this isn't a classic sport. It's not a traditional sport. But some meritocracy has to matter. Like Leon Edwards, it's a disgrace that they just keep leaving him out of the conversation. It's just a joke. You know what I mean? Like we we need to give some kind of we need to highlight the sporting element to keep the growth of the sport going because over here in, in in ireland they just keep using this shit against us every time we're invited on mainstream kind of show or anything they're like huh, what's this bad motherfucker title huh? huh you know what i mean stuff like that like i mean it doesn't it doesn't help us i get that it's fun but that's all that's not in the interest of the growth of mma i don't think i think the yoel one is a little different because supposedly paulo cost is hurt or what yeah, or yeah, yeah. bicep surgery so yoel romero who just lost is still the next man up like Cross Paulo Costa off. Who's the next one in line? Yoel Romero. If Jared Cannonier had had another win, then maybe it would be him. Maybe it would be if uh, or if Hermanson had won, it would be him. But Yoel's a different Yoel. I will I will I will accept because there's another uh, fight. There's another question about that coming. I'll save that. And then Aldo getting a fought, fight against Henry Cejudo is infuriating to me, and I hate everything about it. And I love Jose Aldo, and I think Henry Cejudo is phenomenal champion. His bend the knee thing is getting a little annoying, but I get it. I just want to see him fight Joseph Benavides or give the flyweight title. And then Connor will not get a rematch with Habib right away. Uh, Habib's been saying that. I don't know if you've seen all the Russian interviews he's been doing. He won't even say Connor's name. He'll say the other guy. He'll say Tony Ferguson well, had to win 10 in a row, and the other guy hasn't won in like five years. 
But you you got to listen to what Connor's camp is saying. I know we haven't got a lot of talk from them, but we did. We definitely got a fucking word with them. And what are they saying? They're saying next he wants to fight Masvidal. Yeah. So it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what Dana wants to do or what Habib doesn't want to do. He wants to fight Masvidal. Going back to the first question we had today, you know, a lot's riding on this fucking fight here for Connor. You know what I mean? So... I don't think he fights for the title next. I think he will try to fight Masvidal. I think that's the only reason why he's fighting Cerrone at 170. He wants to make the most money he can, and he probably makes more money fighting Masvidal than he does Habib. Maybe. Oh, maybe it's not. I, I think the Habib one would be bigger for international markets, but Jorge <laughs> Connor would really, for US dollar. Yeah, would really get that. Would get that going. I that, and outside of all the nonsense that that fight is going to create and generate, I that fight is just fun to watch. Like I like that yeah, fight oh, as like a great style matchup. I like that fight just as a fight fan. Just that's just high level violent martial arts. It's gonna cause a lot of chaos and a lot of drama. It's probably gonna be another another non title fight headlining a pay per view. I don't care. I don't mind non title non championship fights headlining pay per views as long as it's a high quality fight. Because I've been saying for like ten years, I want Robbie Lawler and Nick Diaz to headline a pay per view. Uh, part two. That's never gonna happen anytime soon. But I don't hate I don't hate non-title fights headlining pay-per-views. Yeah, and I don't fancy Connor's chances against Masvidal, but I think I, I agree with you on all that on all those fronts. Moving along from the gates of at the gates of Rob on Twitter, is it hard to deny the crowd backed Colby Covington at UFC 205? Uh, it's not hard to deny. I think he got a very lukewarm reception at when he entered yeah, the I, octagon. I, I, even watching on the broadcast, I was like, "Wow, this is like." Because at home, I'm buzzing for the fight, and then it's coming on. I'm like, why are the crowds so low energy here? This is huge. This is a big title fight, you know? But I guess two title fights before it, they might be a bit exhausted, so I'm not going to not gonna completely rag on the Las Vegas casuals. Well, he walked out to um, Kurt Angle's entrance song from the WWE, which I know you are the resident professional wrestling expert. Yeah. Uh, in the WWE, when Kurt Angle's song plays... The whole crowd chants, you suck, over and over and over and over. That was not the case. Like, no one chanted anything. It felt real. I felt like the joke fell flat. Uh, and when Kamara Usman walked out, he walked out to anybody by Burner Boy. And that song rips. That song is so good. And the crowd was, like, alive for that. Like, Israel Adesanya danced the whole time because it is a Nigerian song. So the crowd was alive for that. No one really cared about Kobe Covington. His entrance, if it, in New York, in New Jersey, I remember hearing it through the crowd when he through the TV when he fought uh, Robbie Lawler. But that's much more of a hardcore scene out there in Newark. But I was talking to Casey uh, at, on Coffee Talk, and it really felt like at the end of the week, people didn't hate Colby for what he was saying; they were just over it. They were just tired and exhausted, and like, okay, we know what you're gonna say, like Trump 2020. Uh, I'm gonna bring the belt to the White House. Uh, you're all, you're all, yeah. you're all nerds and virgins. Epstein didn't kill himself. That's all he was going to say. And that's all he did say. And it felt like by, by fight week, we're just like, I don't even care who wins. I'm just tired of this. I was, uh, I went up to see one of my friends, uh, Sans shout out. He'll be watching this. I love you. But he, we were, he, he was like, he be like, thinks this Colby stuff is, is funny. You know what I mean? Like he's, um, you know, he's from a family of immigrants himself. He shouldn't really, but uh, you know, it's it's a bit, it's far, it's far away from us. So it's like we we don't feel the same political ramifications, I guess, when he's saying these things. We don't really understand what he's shouting about some of the time. And then um, he was doing that thing they did with Megan O'Leary, 
Um, and this was not Megan O'Leary's fault or anything, but it just <laughs> didn't. It wasn't great. Like I was, we we turned it off. You know where we thought it was going to be a bit of. It was rubbish, like, so I agree with what you're saying. Like, I mean, he couldn't keep my attention for 10 minutes there that day, and I do this for a living, like, you know what I mean? So that's why I always felt about it, too. It was, I was just tired of it. And that fighter Q&A panel, I liked the idea. I, yeah, it just didn't work with those people. It just, I wanted Colby and Kamaru on the stage together. I didn't want them, I didn't want challengers and champions. Where's it the was, heat? it was, what I will say, it was really really excellent for fighters like Volkanovski and Jermaine Duranemi where fans don't know a lot about them like their personal lives because they live on especially in America they live on the other side of the world like Volkanovski I think came off excellent in that like he defended nerds and virgins against Colby Covington he was really uh he was a funny guy Jermaine came off like the sweetest person in the world she was great she was like if you beat if you beat Amanda you're the greatest fighter of female fighter of all time she's like no i'm just jermaine like i love that answer but she's deadly i really like jermaine but yeah, colby and kamaro should have been on stage together uh that's what was really missing also uh they i guess that i don't know this to be certain but i bet the ufc did this because the last few fight cards not a lot of people have worked out they've kind of walked out there and did a q a with the fans rather than hit pads i know ufc 243 in, in australia had a, some awesome workouts but Habib didn't work out. Masvidal didn't work out. Diaz didn't work out. Kelvin didn't work out. Darren Till wasn't even there. Uh, John Jones never works out anymore. But all six fighters there at UFC 245 would have worked out, and they would have put on a great workout. So I, I, I like watching fighters hit, hit mitts. I'll watch them work out all the time. I like the Q&A thing. I just wish they had tweaked a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Like, I mean, and I do agree with you, Jermaine. Every, everyone did really well, but it's like a lot of people are tuning in to see Colby Covington there because he's this the main event, and he's and he just it just didn't deliver for whatever reason. Now his work inside the octagon was absolutely tremendous. Right, I, I can't I can't praise him enough for that. But I I do agree that it was just getting a bit old, you know. I was just I was burnt out. I just felt like he was reading like a script, and I was just tired of it. But anyway, moving on back to the site from Matt the Donk. I can't skip over Matt the Donk's questions. He's been a Look long at time Matt the Donk. Uh, Adesanya versus Romero, Romero at UFC 248. I don't think it's official at all, but I've heard the rumors. What do you all think of this fight? I'll start this, Pizzi. I don't know if you watched our interview with Jose, uh, Jorge Masvidal at UFC 244 <coughs> as I continue to die uh, on camera. Uh, Jorge Masvidal, the last question I asked him, I go, what do you think about the possibility of this fight? And I didn't really care about this fight. I'm like, it feels like brilliant. It brilliant. feels like yeah. Romero is just the next one up rather than the most deserving contender. And then Jorge Masvidal like looked at me like, and he got Amazing. real serious. And he goes, and he told me a story of Adesanya coming up to him in a club and being like, I have to fight Romero. I know he's your boy, but he's the scariest guy in the division, and my legacy won't be complete until I beat him. And Jorge Masvidal was like, I don't think anyone has ever asked to fight Yoel Romero. They get forced to fight Yoel Romero and their bodies are never the same after. And Jorge Masvidal talking about that and just getting so intense about it. And you know him and Romero are, are, are boys. Like, Masvidal's on record saying, if, if, if Yoel Romero calls me and says, we got to work, I'm flying back to Florida to work. I don't care about media obligations. I asked him, I go, does Romero beat Izzy? And he goes, I don't know. I don't yeah, know. Great. Like, the fact that even Jorge Masvidal can't, say that his, one of his close friends would be Izzy 
sold me more on that fight than any <laughs> countdown, any promo package, any interview. And then I showed, because Casey was doing the rounds with Danny and I was doing stuff with Mazadal. I showed him that clip and Casey was like, I am not only am I sold, the UFC has to get Masvidal to do the voiceover for the countdown. They have to like do I'm it. Bourdain back in the day? Yeah. Like he goes, because yeah. he's like, Joel, like how he says it like a, like a Latino. He goes, Joel and Izzy, they have to fight. It's for the greatest middle way of all time. I was like, oh my God, Jorge Masvidal, I'm sold. And we cut them the audio and they can give us $5 million or something and we all go our separate ways. I mean, you know? nice doing business with you. But I love that fight. I don't know about you. Yeah, I do. I, I love it. Um, and and you're dead right, man. That was amazing. That was going. That was in circulation for weeks after that as well. When you put it out, people were just kept pointing. I was like, "Holy shit, look at this!" Yeah, it was brilliant. Um, yeah. Um, what what was the actual question? Are we just talking about how great that was when Jorge did that? Because the question had- is pretty much, "What do you think of the fight?" Yeah, do it, do it. I want to see the fight. You know, like, I mean, it's not like it's like, oh, yeah, we need someone to fight Izzy. Like, it's a great style matchup. I mean, the one question that people keep asking about Izzy is him on the ground. Uh, Jack Hermanson thinks he's a better man to test that than Yoel Romero. Not because he's a better wrestler than Yoel Romero. It's because he goes, I go crazy watching Yoel Romero fight because he doesn't try to take people down. It's unbelievable. Like, it's unbelievable. Yeah, that's what he said. He goes, I could probably test him more. I don't know if I could take him down more, but I could probably test him more because I will actually try to take him down. But, um, yeah, I, I'd love to see y'all in there and, and really trying to attack him from different angles with takedowns. That's what that's the fight we want to see. If you stand up with Izzy, it's not going to go well for you. It just isn't going to go well for you. I don't know anyone in the middleweight division that would hold a candle to Izzy on the feet. I thought Whitaker would be the guy we saw Till. what happened. Till, yeah. I think Till. I Very think Till's got to get a little bigger first. I, I, I remember there was an interview with Dustin uh, uh, Poirier. I can't remember who the interview was, but it was on the site. And he, he said that it took him two or three fights to yeah. feel like a lightweight rather than a featherweight, just not cutting weight. Does that make sense? But, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I, I do agree with you. But I, I think, again, people people put too much weight on on power and and things like that like if you look at the gaslam fight it's an amazingly technical fight from till and um, the distance control there is beautiful and i think that's what Stoilbender is fantastic at as well just keeping guys on the end of his punches where they can't hit him i think it would be a re like it would probably be more like till v wonder boy you know what i mean like yeah. it would be such a chess match but it would be so interesting like oh, i was at till v wonder boy and the tension in the room was unbelievable oh it felt like someone was gonna get knocked <laughs> yeah. out at any moment yeah, yeah. Like when when Wonderboy went down in the last round or so, or the fourth round or fifth round, I can't remember what it was. It was just felt like the lungs of the arena collapsed. You know, because they were like, ah. The only problem oh, I is them. the only problem is still missed weight, and that kind of puts a a cloud on it for yeah. me. But that was funny for me watching people getting so upset with Aldo last week, and I was like, you guys were watching Till die the week he fought in Liverpool and didn't give a fuck until the video came out a week later, and you're like, this is wrong. Oh, we're outraged again. And Aldo didn't even need a towel. He got up on there with a smile on his face and fought like a fucking champ for three rounds. Did you think you thought, you thought he won? Yeah, well, like I wasn't emotional about it. I was like. You know, this could go either way. Like, I mean, I, I often feel like that. I don't attach myself to a result because I'm like, this is a close fight. It could go either way. Sure. Like, in my head, I was... Now, bear in mind, it's like half four, five uh, a.m. when we're watching these fights. Even Holloway and... Um, even Holloway... 
and Volkanovski. I'm so tired at that stage. I'm like, am I, maybe this is closer than I think it is. Even though I did think Volkanovski was winning every round. I'm like, it's so close. Maybe I'm missing a few beats here that are, are giving the rounds to Holloway. Because the commentary was a bit confusing as well at times. You mean Joe Rogan was biased? Shocking. Listen, leave Joe alone. Real quick. Clev21. Roy, Roy McDonald to PFL. Your thoughts? Um, Rory McDonald going to Bellator brought a lot of interest to Bellator in this part of the world, like a big name going there. So I do see the the value in that. Like, I mean, at the moment, the people in the UK and Ireland are only tuning into PFL to watch Brendan Lachlan and then nothing else. You know what I mean? They're, they're, they're watching uh, Brendan and there's no other reason to tune in. Someone like, well, not to say there's no other reason. It's just no one's compelling the interest enough to make people watch fights in the middle of the night on Thursday. You know what I mean? So it's, um, yeah, I think it's a good sign. And shocked, though. Didn't yeah. see that coming. Didn't see that coming at all. Roy McDonald's throwing himself into another tournament. He got he joined welterweight <laughs> and immediately got thrown to a tournament. Bellator got immediately thrown to a tournament, and now he's getting thrown into PFL another uh, Grand Prix. So, goddamn sh- Christian, <laughs> he should be the favorite. Uh, I can't think of anyone else who I would favor over him in PFL now that Douglas Lima's not there, just chasing him down. But uh, great signing for PFL. But I think you're yeah. I did not see this coming. See the first fighter to fight in all three promotions, Bellator. I'm sure he's not, but I can't think of one off the top of my head at the moment. No, I can't. I'm trying my best. I'm sure he's not. If someone knows the answer, tell me. But uh, he might be the biggest name to fight in all three. Yeah, I'd say so. Oh, without a doubt, I'd say. But again, I'm not 100%. I could be completely wrong. But he's got to be the biggest name that's fought in all three. Surely. I mean, he's been in uh, the greatest fight, what many people consider the greatest fight of all time against, at the UFC fight of all time against Robbie Lawler. Uh, Was a champion of Bellator. uh, Went all the way to the finals of the Grand Prix. Uh, came up short in a rematch, and I, w- I do. The only downside is I, there are a lot of fights to Bellator. I wish he could have gotten that trilogy against Douglas Lima, uh, and I wanted to see him an MVP fight. I really wanted that fight. That would have been a fun fight for me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, even when he left the UFC, there was fights I, I yeah. probably would have watched watched in there as well. But these things happen. These things happen. But we're running up on time. Uh, I'm gonna do one last peruse through Twitter. A lot of the questions on Twitter we got. Someone just sent us. Jose Aldo v. Justin Gaethje, as spoken by Brett Okamoto. Thoughts? I don't even know what that means. That, but I agree with you. <laughs> I don't know what that is. Is that means. true? I don't know. It's just some. At what weight class? A lightweight? Come on. Okay. I don't know. This guy's just. That's the only one I can see, and I don't know what it means. All right. Did you that. watch that video Aldo put out with him in the gun, like calling out Cejudo? Yeah, it seemed a bit out of character. So that so here's a question from Baby Yoda Jr. on Twitter. Who cut a better promo? Cejudo with his Ben the Knee stuff, Colby Covington with the MAGA gimmick, or Jose Aldo with the video he posted yesterday? Personally, I think Aldo did it better even though it was in Portuguese. I mean, like honestly, who who had the biggest who was the biggest ramifications? Probably Colby, like because he was going to get caught from the UFC before he before he started that. Bullshit. If you now, look at the- our numbers, and we talked about this uh, on the preview show with uh, Stephen Morocco, if uh, if you look at just the YouTube numbers, Colby Covington dwarfed everybody. Uh, even even the fighter pan the Q and A panel, the fighters the the panel with the contenders, so Colby, Volkanovski, Jermaine, blew the numbers away for Kamaru Holloway. And Nunes, who, according to Joe Rogan, the greatest featherweight ever, I think it's pretty safe to say Nunes is the greatest female fighter ever. And then Kamara Usman, who's fighting Colby Covington, and then the the scrum of Colby like tripled Kamara Usman's scrum, the numbers. So I would say whether you hate it or love it, Colby Covington's gimmick did a lot more in terms of like fan interest. 
Well, whether you hate it or love it, you're acknowledging that his, exactly. his promo had an impact on you. Exactly, so, and yeah. we're talking about Unless it. you've never heard of it. You know what I mean? If you haven't heard of it, that's fair enough. It's not the best one for you. But we all have, so I, I got to go with him. Uh, Jessica wants to know if we will be at UFC Columbus. Uh, maybe. I know Damon Martin will probably be there. He lives out there in, a, in, the, in the great state of Ohio. Uh, who, who I I think Jessica I is from there. She said that maybe... 10 or 100 times and i think matt 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 brown will be there i can't i can't imagine they're not gonna put matt brown on a card in ohio so that fight card could be awesome right now main event francis gone over his jersey rosen streak i want to go just as a fan because i love that fight uh but i doubt all european all european action there <laughs> it's true in columbus ohio uh i doubt pc carroll will fly all the way from uh ireland to go to columbus but i would love to go over and teach some of them boys how to wrestle to be honest with you honestly but- Honestly, uh, I, I bet Damon will be there, and maybe Alex, uh, Alex Savas, can, uh, video editor extraordinaire. Maybe she'll go. She lives in Chicago. I would love to go, uh, but that's all the way out in March. We got to get through a lot of fights before we can even think about March in my mind. But I can't see any other questions. So as usual, Pizza Carol, the floor is yours for whatever you want to talk about. Have at it. Okay, in 2020. All your belts are in big trouble, the rest of the world. Listen to this. I wrote this down, just so I know what I'm talking about here. 115, Joanna is fighting for the title. 125, Jojo Calderwood, Molly McCann on a three-fight win streak. 125, male fighters, Askar Oskarov got off to a start with a draw. He's fighting Tim Elliott on the same card that McGregor returns at. That will be interesting. 135, Piotr Jan. 145, Zabith. 155, Habib. 170, Leon Edwards. 185, Darren Till and Jack Hermanson. 205, Jan Blachowicz. 265, Cyril Gann. A lot of trouble coming your way, guys. So I just want to let you know that we can come back to this at the end of next year and go, told you. The Irish boy told you again. So That's all I want to say. Of those names, who's going to be champion by the end of 2020? I don't know if they'll be champions by the end of 2020, but who will be champions this next year, potentially? I feel I feel like Joanna yeah. has a good chance, obviously, to join Wiley Zang, even though Wiley is incredible. Uh, I feel Zabit has a chance uh, against Falkonovsky. Yeah, that's a, that's a crazy-looking matchup. <laughs> yeah, uh, Piotr Jan, you know how I feel about that, man. Askar Askarov, he's too far away. He's not going to be touching that belt in, in, in uh, 2020. Habib will keep his title. That's a title for us. Leon Edwards is a hard fight. If he fights with a belt at 170, he's going to give Usman some trouble. Sure. He's going to give Usman He's going to give Usman more trouble than Tyron Woodley gave Usman. Um, 185, if Till beats Hermanson, he's probably going to fight for the title. Mm-hmm. I, I think I favor Stoilbender, but it's it's two strikers going in there, both with knockout power. That Anything can happen there. Jan Blachowicz, I think he's... I don't probably think it's going to happen for him if John Jones is there, right? Uh, Cyril Gann, probably still miles away, in all fairness. <laughs> but um, I'd say I'd say two are possibilities there. I'd say Joanna and... Joanna, uh, three. Joanna, Jan, and Zabit, I think, of strong possibilities next year. I don't disagree. Could be a big... 2020 could be a big year for the European scene. And PC Carroll, for those of you just listening, has the biggest smile on his face right now. <laughs> I love that when I said that at the start, everyone was like, no fucking way. And then I went through the divisions and they're like, shit. <laughs> I doubt anyone is like, shit. They're probably like, wow, PC Carroll's right. But for my promo, I don't even have, I, I got to think of one like like right this second. Uh, oh, okay, I'll, I'll go ahead. 
You have a, a badge on that said reading is sexy. It is. What do you feel is the best book for MMA fans to buy for the Christmas season? Wow. I like the Sam Sheridan books back in the day. Did you read them? Uh, a Fighter's Mind, A no. Fighter's Heart. No. They were good. Because that would have been before the start of MMA if, kind of spread more. If I'm telling the truth, most of the books I read in my life are these graphic novels behind me. Well, I'll tell you is one that I don't know if you're aware about that a lot of people are raving about in Ireland. Mr. Paddy. Oh Hill, yeah, but, I was about. Yeah, it's a great. It's a good. I do want to read actually, that actually. I'll I'll bring it over to you. I'll just give it to you. Yeah. Um, I'll trade you. I'll trade you crystals for the hooligan book. The hooligan book. Absolutely, that sounds good. But really good though. I know Paddy like ten years, I'd say, and I was blown away by it because I I. He had a crazy, crazy fucking childhood. We're both from working class areas. I, I assumed we'd have we'd have similar upbringings. No, not at all. No, his like a fucking movie. Mine was pretty Jesus. basic in all fairness. I'll say <laughs> read the book of Five Rings because that book is awesome. And I think it's really good for not just fighters, but in general. Uh, but for my promo is, it's not a promo. Y'all can tweet me uh, the, your answer to this. What is the most underrated knockout and submission of the year? I know a lot of people will say, like, greatest knockout, Holly Holm, Jose Aldo, Anderson Silva, front kick, Jorge Masvidal, Korean Zombie, or uh, Yair Rodriguez. I want to know the most underrated submission. What fight? What what knockout submission do you think doesn't get enough love? Uh, and you can tweet them at me, at Jose Young's. My name is right here. Also, go watch Coffee Talk. I had a lot of fun uh, doing that with Casey Nestor. I know you it's guys great. are the first it's, it's ones great to do feature. it. I love doing that. Uh, we had a fun little in, in, intro. Apparently, we're a bunch of hipsters that just sit around drinking coffee, talking, fighting, and people don't like that. I'm sorry. Uh, but I'll ask you a question. I'll ask our, our viewers a question. Uh because I'm curious about this. You, as a longtime baseball fan, but I don't even you don't even have to get into it. <laughs> For fuck's sake. You don't have to get into it. Uh, the the equivalent of a perfect game is a, Red Sox. Yes, that is the correct answer to every question you can I can present you. The greatest baseball team of all time, the Boston Red Sox. Don't even look yes. it up. Uh, the equivalent of a perfect game in baseball is a pitcher gets every single out and no one gets on base. It is up it is a perfect performance by a pitcher. In my Thinking back over the last like 10, 15 years, I've, I can think of two perfect games in MMA. Connor over Eddie and Anderson Silva over Forrest Whitaker. Which Forrest Whitaker? Yeah. The actor? Not Forrest, Forrest Griffin. Forrest Griffin. <laughs> I, like, I, just watched, I just watched the cry game the other day too. That's hilarious. So uh, Anderson you, Silva versus Forrest Griffin and Conor McGregor versus Eddie Alvarez are the two perfect games that I can remember. Which oh, one, one is which one is more impressive? McGregor v Alvarez because he's going up. Ah, oh, fuck no! Anderson was going up away division two, but Forrest wasn't the champion. He was coming off a loss. Of, he was coming off that loss. Eddie to Rampage. Alvarez was the champion. I think that belongs to Ireland, my friend. I don't disagree with you, but I think it's a lot harder than people think because that's the one where Anderson was like, like dot, like he was. That was the Matrix Anderson, and then he had like the step back, like, like Jad that broke Forrest's jaw after dodging all the punches, and he was like, "Come I, I, fight, I, come fight, come fight," and then Forrest was like, "What do I do?" And then he threw like five punches, and Anderson like Neo Matrixed him, and then broke his jaw, and then Forrest Griffin ran away. I tell you, like this year, I mean, um. Two fights I got to see in the flesh were very close to that. Uh, Stoilbender v. Whittaker yep. was immense. And also Habib v. Dustin Poirier. Yep. I know it's a different kind of fight because there's a lot of grappling, but 
the work right there that Habib was doing, like, like I mean, he didn't give him a second to rest in any position. Like, if you watch him against the fence, he's trying to strangle him, he's trying to pull him. Like, I mean, it, it just, he completely overwhelmed him. I, I was blown away by those performances this year. Are they McGregor, Alvarez? Maybe not, but they were really close. Well, there are really other close. performances I could think of, like Holly over Ronda was was about as perfect as you can get. But Holly, Beautiful, Ronda yeah. did clinch up and this and that. Uh, Joanna tearing through Collar Esparza. I don't know if you remember that fight. Or uh, Jeremy Penne? Jeremy yeah. Jessica Penne? Or Dos Anjos beating uh, Anthony Pettis 50-45 across the board. You might have to give some credence to that considering he did that for five rounds continuously. Uh, but I think Connor Eddie and Anderson Forrest are the greatest two performances I've ever seen by an individual. Tell me which one is better. You could tweet at me. The answer to that, most underrated knockout, most underrated submission of the decade. I know the Anderson one might have been before the decade, but I'm counting it. But we've run up on time. Pete, anything else you want to say? You want to plug your phenomenal interview with Jack Manson? Yeah, well, if you're not listening to Eurobash, you're probably a fucking loser anyway. It's out every Tuesday. I mean, do yourself a favor. I'm not going to beg you for it, you know? <laughs> uh, no A-side next week. It is Christmas <laughs> from what I, I think it's Christmas. is next Wednesday, huh? Yes, we're doing we're doing a Eurobash this week from a pub in Dublin, and there's going to be no guests. It's just going to be absolute drivel, so you should listen to that one. I will 100% listen. I listen to all of them, but... <laughs> Pizzi and I will prop will we'll do the A side live together in January. Maybe we'll do maybe. maybe we have something exciting planned that y'all can watch with us. Who knows? Look at for those of you not watching, Pizzi Carroll literally had to cover his mouth because he doesn't want to talk about it. Well, in case you know things happen, you have to. I nearly went and said it, and I was like, we got no. maybe we'll do something fun. You all, if you guys would want that, you tell us. Uh, you can just just tweet at Pizzi. He loves when his mentions are blown up. I don't. But I'm gonna shave He's me lying. back from it. That's it. I'm gonna shave me back for this. That's how much it means to me. If this comes off, I'll I'll be like a seal. Of all the things you could have said, that's the last thing I was expecting to come out of your mouth. You ever seen a hairy back and a seal? I don't think you have, my friend. I honest to God have never thought about it. <laughs> <laughs> Where are your scissors, by the way? Yeah. There you go. Mr. Scissors is back. <laughs> I got my crystal shout out to Jessica one last time. This what do you think of this one, no? Which do we prefer? <laughs> the Jackeray or the Ronaldo Souza <laughs> or this one? <laughs> that looks so stupid. That's what I was going for, baby. <laughs> that looks so stupid. It's unbelievable. Well, is this what it is then? Mr. Scissors. So if you see Pizza Carol, please do that too. That's the stupidest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. We're doing this walking through the event. For those of you now watching, just go find the YouTube channel and we'll do it. For Jose, that's PT. We'll see you in a couple weeks after Christmas. Happy holidays, everyone. Bye.